It's August 1792, and Paris is seething in the heat. It's a hot summer, and this is a particularly hot day. The sun hasn't risen yet. It's that dark time right before dawn. It's close. The air feels still. There's tension. Worse, the people are hungry again. Whether they were deceived and starved or whether there was a legitimate shortage, we don't know, but we suspect. Far away from the golden halls of Versailles, the king and his family are trapped, prisoners in the dilapidated Tuileries Palace. They stare at one another in that early morning hour. It's hot. Did you hear that? No. They eat their breakfast. The king has an appetite. Wait. Cannon in the distance. Was it a signal? Is it artillery? Come for us. The king's brothers have fled. First, the Comte de Artois, fiery, brave. He fled to Switzerland with the immigres. The king himself tried to escape out of the revolutionary nightmare of France. In revolution for three years now with thousands dead and hundreds of thousands more to die. All there is is the hot silence before the sunrise. The quiet stares around the table of the king. The nervousness, the tension. There is more. What's going on? Are they bringing the cannons up? Are the revolutionaries coming to kill us now? The king must have wondered. He prayed. He prayed as well he might have. There was a mass. The king participated fervently as he always did. The queen is nervous. The mayor, Roderer, comes to talk to them, to get them to leave the palace and come to take refuge with them. For a moment, the king, who had been indecisive, even when he tried to flee, flee the revolution for his life, and at the border between France and the Austrian Netherlands, he was captured and returned to Paris. It was a death sentence, but what could he do? The Comte de Provence is gone. Even Marie Antoinette he lost. Gabrielle Polignac, the Duchess de Polignac, they're alone. Their children are with them. Faithful still is the Princess de Lamballe, but it's a small group of servants and a small group of courtiers staring at one another now. There's just the quiet and the sense that a world is slipping away. Le fin du monde, the end of the world, the end of their world, certainly, and the blood and the hate in the eyes of the poissards. The harpy fishwives come from hell. They stare at each other, it's growing lighter, but this is not a good day. There's tension and then they, in the distance they hear it tolling, the toxin, tolling hour by hour as if counting out their deaths, the deaths of the royal family. It rings and it rings and it rings, not to bring people to church, but to announce their departure from this earth. It won't cease. It won't cease, there's terror. But there is confidence in the midst of the terrors. They get up as they leave the palace. 
there is hope because, well, there's still people, the queen says. They have forces, don't they, she says, to defend them. Louder the bell grows, summoning the people from their, from their houses like bats out of hell. And then they hear the foots, footprints, the thumping, the trumpling in the distance. At first, they stare at one another. The queen, Mary Antoinette, stares at the king. Is she, is she hallucinating? The king looks at her, a very logical man. No, no, she's not hallucinating. It's gone now, the old world. The new world is coming to take them with it, with knives, with sighs. They hear the screaming. They hear the screaming, my God. The mayor, Roderer, at last forces himself on the royal couple, on his most Christian majesty, King Louis XVI, and on Queen Marie Antoinette, renowned for her gracefulness. He presses on them. Your majesty, leave here at once, or I cannot be responsible for your safety. Leave here or you will die. Marie Antoinette shows courage. She exclaims, no, we have horses here. Do we not have horses here? Has the time not come? Has the time not come at last to see who will be triumphant? The king in law or the rabble and factions and anarchy? She's ignored. The king, powder dripping out of his hair, drifting down his shoulders, exhausted, tired, attempts to review the troops, to look at his brave Swiss guardsmen, the gendarmes who were loyal, and nobles who gathered to fight for him. He doesn't look long before the mayor takes the king, exhausted, away the legislative assembly, leaving the soldiers who are preparing to be reviewed by their monarch, shocked and dismayed. The scene falls apart. The center did not hope. Exhausted from three years of revolution, persecuted, prosecuted, terrified. The king didn't know what to do. Would you have? They followed Ritter's advice and they retreated into the obscure legislative assembly building on the palace ground.
they pressed on. Enthusiasm from the crowd waned. They became afraid. The drums played and the Swiss took their post in the Tuileries. The gendarmes ran. Many of the noblemen ran, died. But the Swiss stood their ground. The crowd grew pensive. At last they faced each other. On the one hand, the lionine defenders of the king. Fighting this, their last battle. They filled the windows, their ranks, one next to the other, standing around. The crowd stopped. gives us many examples of who fired the first shot. Well, I'll tell you, it was the Federes, it was the maniacs, it was the murderers, the revolutionaries who fired the first shot. The Swiss stood their ground and responded. Volley after volley tore into the crowd. The Swiss knew how to fight. The crowd fell back. The Swiss surged forward. They retook cannons. They retook the palace grounds. They made it to the Place de Carousel. And then they received the note from the king ordering them to surrender to prevent bloodshed. Did the king write it? I don't know. Do you? Neither did the Swiss. And now, the true modus operandi of revolution revealed itself. There was not enough ammunition for the defenders. The Swiss, who could have taken the city of Paris that day, retreated. And then the murders began at the hands of poissards, of murderers and thieves and liars. They died. They were butchered. We are careful when the last Swiss voice had a scythe put through it, defending the king, defending the church. We can hear a new voice rising out of the wreckage. A voice for the future, made possible by liberty, equality, Thank <laughs> you.